And thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast from Connect Church. We'd like to invite you to join us in person at 1101 West Grand in Ponca City, Oklahoma, or on Facebook Live. Go to connectchurchpc.com to learn more about how we are helping people connect every day. We are a people, connected people, all in God's love. God is doing in his life, how God is using him. It's been, it's been awesome to watch. We are in the last week of our series, and I, I told you at the beginning of the series that I read a book this summer, and while I was reading this book, I'm like, wow, this is a message series waiting to happen. It's by Frank Turek and his son Zach, and it's called Hollywood Heroes. And when I'm reading through the book, and I'm, I'm seeing all these things, when you watch movies and all these stories that point to something greater, that point to something amazing, that point to something marvelous, they all point to a magnificent story, which is Jesus Christ. Every story just wishes it could, it could be Jesus. Now imagine if you could create your own superhero, Captain America's righteous idealism, Iron Man's genius, Luke Skywalker's discipline, Batman's focus, Superman's power, Wonder Woman's love. You see, Jesus Christ is unique. He embodies everything that is perfect, everything that is holy, everything that is set apart. No one rivals Jesus. And so to jump right into this, first of all, Jesus is perfect. You know how people always say, hey, I'm not perfect, I'm not perfect. And sometimes we use it as an excuse but Jesus Christ actually was perfect. Remember that last slide, it said, imperfect people joining an imperfect family, serving a perfect God. Well, Jesus Christ was perfect, is perfect. In John 8, 46, Jesus said, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Can anyone prove me guilty of sin? He's saying, I've never sinned. If we're honest with ourselves, we're flawed in multiple, play, multiple ways, but Jesus is perfect. So many times, and, and when you watch your, your children grow up, and, and you want so much for them to have a positive self-outlook, when they join school, when they're around other people, sometimes they look in the mirror and they can see everything that's wrong with them. But what we have to show them is just because you might be imperfect, God is perfect. God, God's the one that gives us our self-worth. I Believe it or not, I don't get my self-worth from being married to Terry. I don't get my self-worth from being uh, Jack and Lance's father. I don't get my self-worth from being your pastor. I get my self-worth from Jesus Christ, from God. And, and what he says to me is, I know that you have sinned. I know that you have fallen short. And we all have, but I still love you. 
And when you look in Genesis and you see how God created everything, and he said, it is good, it is good, it is good, and he creates mankind. And the first time he said it wasn't good because man was alone, and he creates woman, and, God, and man gets excited. He's like, wow, I've never seen anything like you before. Remember, guys, the first time that you saw the one that you were going to marry? You're like, wow, I've never seen anything like you before. That was Adam when he saw Eve. And then they sinned. How easy would it have been for God just to wipe mankind off of the face of the earth? But that's not what he did. I mean, sure, we have the effects of sin, and we have all these problems that we have to deal with because of sin. But get this. God said, I have a plan. A perfect plan. Jesus was, not, not only was he our redeemer, but he was the message, and he himself is the message that came from God. The founders of every other major religion said, I'm, I'm a prophet that shows you how to find God, but Jesus taught that I am God come to find you. He says, I am. In John, over and over again, Jesus says, I am. The Hebrew word for I am is Yahweh, which is the Hebrew name for God. He said, I am. When Moses asked God, who should I tell him, send me? God said, tell him I am sent you. Tell him Yahweh sent you. And so he says, I am. And over and over again, Jesus wanted to know that he wasn't just a prophet, but he was God himself, God in human form. John 1.1 tells us that, that in the beginning was the Word, talking about God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, it says that God became one of us. He lived among us. He became flesh and came to earth for us. You see, Jesus is humble. Lord Acton said this. You, you probably heard, all heard this saying before. Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And then he goes on to say, the second part of that quote, great men are almost always bad men. Look at it. You give someone power, think about how easy it is for the, that, that power to corrupt and for them to want more, and then to want more, and then to want more. It's kind of like eating donut holes out in the hub. You pop one in your mouth, and you're like, I need another one, and another one. And another one. And 62 donut holes later, you're like, I can't believe I ate the whole plate of donut holes. And then you're like, where can I hide this plate so that nobody finds out that I ate all these donut holes all by myself? You see, just because sin is bad and sin is evil and sin is like that donut hole that just entices you just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Most world figures have monster egos, but Jesus didn't. I mean, look at, look at people that, that, that ascend the power. They have these monster egos, and they, they, they fill the room, and their ego is bigger than the room itself. Why is that? And if you look at sports, great players all have these monster egos and think that they are the greatest one to ever live. But Jesus, who was the greatest man ever to walk the face of the earth, wasn't like that. In, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul talks about him. He said, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, 
who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. I mentioned this earlier. Jesus never sinned. He, he was humble. He had a great attitude, and he never sinned. Can you imagine being around someone who never did anything wrong? Hey, just think with me what it was like to be James, the brother of Jesus, and growing up in the shadow of Jesus, and Mary looking at him and saying, you know, James, Jesus never did this. Jesus always made his bed. Jesus always picked up his toes, to toys. Jesus, <laughs> not only did he pick up his toes, he healed them back on the people. But you cut your toe off, here you go. Can you imagine being James' little brother going, I can't compete with that. But Jesus never put it out there to say, look at me, look at what I can do. Look at how great I am. How, how many, I mean, when you read in the New Testament, and Jesus would heal someone, and he said, now, don't go tell anybody. My wife, who's in marketing, thinks that is the craziest idea ever. She goes, man, if you do something right, you need to go out and tell everybody. And so I do. When I, clean, when I, when I pick up clothes at the house, I come out, and I say, Terry, I picked up toys. And she's like, I don't care. You see, Jesus never sinned. He didn't get prideful. He didn't have any of that. 2 Corinthians 5.21 said that Jesus made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was absolutely sinless. He was the only one who could die for us. I mean, Ashley talked about the Holy of Holies, and once a year, the high priest could walk in there and make atonement for the, the people of Israel. And, and here's the cool thing. So if you read in the Old Testament, what they would do to the high priest is they would tie a rope around his waist, and they would put bells on, his, uh, on that rope, and if the bells ever stopped ringing, that meant he fell over dead, and they were to pull him out. I think it's the coolest story ever, and I don't know if it ever happened that, that, that somebody died while going in there, but I'm sure if it happened, they would write it down going, man, never ever do that again, because you had to be absolutely sinless. You had to be perfect. Now, I'm not saying that they were without sin, but they had to make atonement for themselves and be made right before God, and so there had to be a high priest first. They had to be somebody who could go before the presence of God, who could pour out the lamb, the, God's lamb, Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, who could pour out the blood and say, I'm absolutely perfect, and you can be forgiven, and that perfect lamb, that perfect substitute was none other than Jesus Christ. How powerful is that? Tim Keller says, It is a paradox that he is both God and human that gives Jesus an overwhelming beauty. He is a lion and a lamb. Despite his high claims, he's never pompous. You never see him standing on his own dignity. Despite being absolutely approachable to the weakest and broken, he's completely fearless before the corrupt and powerful. He has tenderness without weakness, strength without harshness, humility without the slightest lack of confidence, and hesitating authority with complete lack of self-absorption, holiness with unending convictions without the shortage of approachability, power without insensitivity. I, 
You talk about somebody who was a paradox among himself. And that's who Jesus was. Why? Jesus is God. Way back in Genesis 1-1, it, it throws out these references. Because God doesn't talk about I or me. He talks about we and us. When God created, it talks about the, the Spirit hovered over creation. And then you see all of these in the Old Testament, all, all these portrayals, all of these inklings of something greater to come, of a Messiah to come. They talk about the Messiah, but then there was Melchizedek, and they say, man, this was a pre-Christ Christopher, someone who represented Christ that came. And all these times, something is pointing us, something is directing us that God is on the move, that God is getting ready to take place. Imagine with me, you have a friend who makes these statements. Before Abraham was born, I am. Your sins are forgiven. I and the Father are one. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Whoever obeys my word will never see death. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in dark, darkness. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the bread of life. Anyone who sees me has seen the Father. Can you prove me guilty of sin? I am with you always to the very end of the age. Whatever you ask in the name of the Father, I will give you. Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that you have given me, with the glory I had with you before the world began. If we had a friend that would say all those things, we would look at him and say, you're a lunatic. You're crazy. There, there's something wrong with you. There, you you've got to get things right. And C.S. Lewis talks about that in, in his book, Mere Christianity. He said, I'm trying to prevent here anyone saying the really foolish things that people often say about God. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. Many people will say, you know, Jesus was a great moral teacher, and Muslim people will say that Jesus was a prophet, and I had a Muslim friend one time, and I said, if Jesus is a prophet, can a prophet ever be wrong? He looked at me and goes, they can never be wrong. And I said, well, Jesus said he was God. And he looked at me and he goes, he misspoke. I said, no, 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 because a prophet, if they ever are wrong, you know what the, the penalty for being a prophet and being wrong is? Stone to death. And he's saying, you can't just say that Jesus was a moral teacher. You have to come down, and here's what C.S. Lewis says, you have to come down to, two thing, to, to three things. Either he's a lunatic, crazy and out of his gourd, but if he's crazy and out of his gourd, how is it that everything is so consistent among all of his teachings? If he's a liar, again, how is he working in all these lies perfectly that they never contradict each other? So if you come to the conclusion that he's not crazy and he's not a liar, then he has to be Lord. And if he's Lord, what are you going to do about it? What a powerful statement by C.S. Lewis. Either he's Lord, liar, or lunatic. What are you going to do with the results? And then we see that Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. Dr. Gary Habernas is a, is a great teacher on the resurrection and, and pulling everything together. 
He's written more about the evidence of resurrection of Jesus than any other person in human history. One of, he points out several things in which makes Jesus unique. One of them is that of the world religious founders, only Jesus taught that his death would provide the means by which salvation be available for the world. Only through the death of Jesus Christ. I want you to put a note there because it does not end with Jesus' death. But I want to pull together some, some superhero video clips of people who are willing to make sacrifices. The first one is Captain America when he falls on a grenade for his friends. Watch this one with us. Look at that. He's making me cry. I am looking for qualities beyond the physical. Do you know how long it took to set up this project? Yeah. All the groveling I had to do in front of Senator What's-His-Name's committees? Ron, yes, I know. I am well aware of your efforts. Then throw me a bone. Hodge passed every test we gave him. He's big, he's fast, he obeys orders, he's a soldier. He's a bully. You don't win wars with niceness, doctor. You win wars with guts. He's still skinny. The grenade's lit. He's willing to fall on it. He, he's willing to sacrifice for everybody around him. But you know, he's not the only one who made sacrifices. What about Iron Man in, in Avengers Endgame where he's willing to sacrifice his life for mankind? It would have been easier for him not to make the sacrifice to live because he had a wife, he had a daughter, he had all the reasons he's willing to make a sacrifice. Watch this one with us.
many times does Satan say to us, I am inevitable? But you know, Iron Man wasn't perfect. Captain America wasn't perfect. Only Jesus Christ is perfect. There's another scene. There, there's a book series that came out, and when it first came out, Christians were aghast that this came out, and not realizing until you read the entire series and, and read interviews with the author that this was actually a parable about the Christian journey. It was much like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe from C.S. Lewis, but it was written for a new generation, and it was a Harry Potter series. And in this Harry Potter has to die and come back in order to defeat evil. How would you feel if you knew that you had to die? Watch the scene with Harry willingly giving himself up. No sign of him, my lord. Jesus voluntarily went to the cross to sacrifice his life, not only for those who loved him, but for those who hated him. He, he was killed, he was tried, it was, a, it, it was a phony trial. And over and over again, when he would go before the Roman authority, they're like, I don't see anything wrong with them. 
And the Jewish Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling party, said he's got to die, he's got to die. And we can look at it and say, man, those people, they were just out of their minds. But you know what put Jesus Christ on the cross? My sin, your sin. If we had never sinned, Jesus would not have had to go to the cross. He did it out of love for us. He did it because he needed to redeem us. But here's the, here's the greatest part. Jesus Christ is the only person who rose from the dead. He's the only one. And I know you're thinking, well, Jesus brought other people back, but they, they died again. They died again, but Jesus Christ, when he rose, never died again. He, he was buried. He was in the grave. He was silent on Saturday. On Sunday, he came back. In Luke chapter 24, it said when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11. They're talking about the women here. They were impressed by Jesus. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others that were with them told the apostles, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Have you ever told someone a story and they just looked at you as if you were crazy? Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went, went away wondering to himself what had happened. What had happened. Wow. Jesus died. But he didn't stay dead. The most important thing about what we believe, the most important thing about our faith is that Jesus Christ died. And if you get say, well, people just wrote that down. They just wrote stories. Do you know that there are more witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ than most other events in the entire world? Over 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus. He made himself known. He came there and he talked with them and he, he told them that great things are happening. And I told you earlier that Harry Potter, in a, in a parable that, that mirrors the gospel message, he willingly died. But he didn't stay dead. And I want you to see this. I want you to think in your mind what it would be like to witness Jesus Christ coming back. Watch this clip with us. Stay forth. You put your faith in me. Join us. 
Well, I must say, I'd hoped for better. <laughs> and who might you be, young man? Never long bottom. <laughs> well, Neville, I'm sure we can find a place for you in our rank. I'd like to say something. Neville, I'm sure we'd all be fascinated to hear what you have to say. Doesn't matter that Harry's gone. Stand down, Neville. People die every day. Friends. Family. Yeah. We lost Harry tonight. He's still with us. Here, sauce bread, Remus, Tonks, all of them. They didn't die in vain. But you will, because you're wrong. <laughs> Harry's heart did beat for us, for all of us. It's not over. Time. I mean, we, we see this in the world where temptation comes on and, and people walk away and they walk away from God and we watch our friends out there and we see people who take a stand and say, I'm standing for Jesus. And I know that early church, they were scared. They went and they hid. They locked the doors. They didn't want to let anybody in. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He was alive. And the message that he brings us is this, because Jesus Christ is alive, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Nothing else is as important as that one fact. Jesus Christ is alive. It changes everything. It completely flips the script upside down. And Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28-30, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and will you rush for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the happiest of all endings, there's still something missing. But in the gospel message, nothing is missing. In the gospel message, we start out as the villain. 
we start out with sin, and Jesus saves us. No Hollywood hero can save, but only Jesus can. And if you go to the movie theaters and you watch the MCU and you watch D, D, uh, DC, if you watch Harry Potter, if you watch any of those, none of those messages are going to change your life. None of them are going to save you, but Jesus Christ will. He will change everything about you. You know, Justin talked about it. There are people outside our church that desperately need to hear the hope and the message of Jesus Christ. They, they may not realize it, but they're longing for a message that will change them. They're longing for something that will transform their lives. And so many times, we want to be the star of our story. But God is saying, are you willing to be the hero? Are you willing to be the one who tells people about Jesus Christ? Stars are popular, but heroes are transformative. There's only one hero who's ever lived, and that is Jesus Christ. In John 5, it says, How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes only from God? A true hero's glory comes only from God. Our message should always be directing and guiding people to Jesus Christ. We should never be saying, look at what I can do, look at this. Our message should always be this. There is hope in Jesus Christ. There is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. There is salvation in Jesus Christ. There is holiness because of what God has given us. And it changes us and it transforms us. You know what the greatest thing is? If you were to sum everything down the gospel message of two words, you know what it would be? Jesus saves. Jesus saves. If you were to sum down two things, the reason why we're here today, Jesus saves. If you're talking to someone who's hurting and they're going through life's difficulties and life is hard out there, the message is this, Jesus saves. It may not always be easy. It may not always seem like, like life is great, but Jesus saves. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the, the band to come up here and they're going to... Uh, Sing a song that consists of two words. Jesus saves. Good job, Lance. I just want to pray with you right now. I just want to ask you guys to join us. Jesus said, if we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and believe that he is risen from the dead, that we can be saved. There's only one way to Jesus. Or there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Over and over again in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the water. I am. So he's pointing us and directing us to God himself. I think it's worthy of getting on our feet and praising him for that.
Miss you, but we're gonna sing you out, okay? Remember, Jesus saves, all right? I almost hit Mark, so here we go. Have a great day.